Think of it. Jesus Christ became an object of horror when he bore all of our sin, all of our curse, all of our infirmities, all of our sicknesses, and all of our diseases. Next on Daily in Christ, we continue to examine why he bore all that for you and me. And I welcome you once again to the Daily in Christ podcast. I'm Mark Van Oos. Well, we have a theme song for the Daily in Christ podcast, and I'm excited about it. It's the worship song forever, fantastically performed by Tim Zimmerman and the King's Brass. And I want to thank the folks at Cool Springs Records for granting us permission graciously to use that great song to be our theme song on the Daily in Christ podcast. Well, recently I had the honor of preaching at my home church on Palm Sunday. And last time on Daily in Christ, we shared the first half of that message titled, He was crushed that you would be blessed. And we looked into Isaiah chapter 52, verse 13 through Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5. This God-inspired prophecy of the suffering of our Savior, our Messiah, the Lord Jesus, was given seven centuries before the crucifixion of Christ. In Isaiah chapter 52, verses 14 and 15, we saw that Jesus became an object of horror, as the Bible Hebrew renders it. Jesus, in his human body, bore all of our sin, all of our curse, all of our infirmities, all of our sorrows, all of our sicknesses, and all of our diseases. Imagine that, all of that hitting the precious body of Jesus Christ. And that body was a human body like mine and yours, yet without sin. You can imagine the crushing load that all of that upon his body would have done. It disfigured his body so severely that he became an object of horror. Now, I want to put this in context. The people of Jerusalem 2,000 years ago were used to that barbaric form of execution devised by the Romans called crucifixion. It was not unusual for them to see someone crucified on a cross. But what was it about this one that was so unique and so devastating that he became an object of horror. Why did he do that? Why did Jesus so willingly bear such an awful load? Well, as we heard in the first part of the message in Isaiah chapter 53, verses 3 through 10, he was despised so that you and I would be beloved. Verse 3 in Isaiah 53, he was rejected that we would be gladly accepted by God. That's also in verse three. He bore our griefs. The Hebrew literally means pains of the body and our sorrows, literally meaning pains of the mind. All of that brings healing and wholeness to us. And verse five is loaded. He was wounded for our transgressions. And remember what we said transgressions was the crossing of the line of God's holiness and righteousness. 
He took the punishment due me, due you. He was crushed for our iniquities. Iniquities refers to the foul condition, the moral disease of sin. And he took the chastisement, the punishments. It all fell on him. Why? So that we would have peace. The Hebrew word is shalom, that sense that all is well together with God. Do you see it? Do you see how the Lord Jesus Christ himself took all the bad from us upon himself? Only he could take it and bear it. Why? So that we could be blessed. I know it's hard for us to comprehend, but it's true. He was crushed so that we would be blessed. This is an expression of God's love. Well, today in part two of this continuing message, we continue from there, starting with Isaiah 53, verse 6. And later on in my message, you'll hear an application of these wonderful truths to communion as our church celebrated Communion Sunday. Now, part two of the message, he was crushed so that you would be blessed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. I love the word all in the Bible. It's my favorite, one of my favorite words in all the Bible. I love all. I love everyone. I love whosoever because it includes me. It includes me. Me. So when it says, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all, the Lord has laid upon him my iniquity and my wrong. Everyone's gone astray. Everyone has gone their own way, turned their face from God. We've all sinned and committed high treason against Almighty God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And what did God do? The Lord laid on Him the iniquity of us all. I love what it says over in 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says that Jesus was made sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Listen, Jesus was made something He is not sin. So that I would be made what I am not, righteous. Did you hear what I said? Jesus was made something he was not, sin, so that I would be made what I am not, righteous. Am I righteous? You better believe it. And it's not because I've been so good. It's because he is that good. It's because he became all that for me. Now, I want you to watch the silence and submission of this Lamb of God. And Sandy, thank you for beautiful worship today. I mean, every song was just like, I was a basket case during worship. You know, I'm crying and stuff like that. How am I going to preach on this? But the Lord helped. Look at this. Um, Verse 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shearers is silence. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment 
And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people, he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. And again, that's crush him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering, he shall see. An offering for sin, he shall see his seed. I'm going to stop right there. Just a few few thoughts. First of all, do you see this picture of, of one like a lamb led to slaughter? That speaks of his innocence. Um, Sunday nights, there's a Bible study that's going on over at Cindy and Tim's place. We're looking at John Piper's book, 50 Reasons Why Jesus Went to the Cross. Good book. Highly recommend it. And a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about something along this line. And we were thinking about the great thought that in the Old Testament, when you were a sinner and it was time to deal with your sin, You had to bring an offering. You had to bring a lamb. And do you know that the priest did not inspect the penitent? He did not inspect the sinner. He did not inspect the sinner saying, you did this wrong, you did this wrong, you did this wrong, you did this wrong. But he very carefully inspected the lamb. Why? Because the lamb had to be spotless without blemish. The Bible tells us in the New Testament that the Old Covenant, the covenant of law, is a shadow of the things which were realities in Christ. Jesus Christ is the High Priest. And your Heavenly Father is not inspecting you to see you did that wrong, you did that wrong, you did that wrong. Rather, He is inspecting the Lamb. He is inspecting the Lamb, His Son. And you know what He finds? Perfect submission, perfect obedience, perfect holiness, perfect righteousness, perfect performance. Not only what he did at the cross, but for 33 years from the moment he was conceived, everything was done and done right. No man alive has done every part of the law from the heart except the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know how hard the Christian life is? It's impossible. Only one live the Christian life perfectly, and that's Jesus. That's why God the Father gave you the Lord Jesus Christ. And brother and sister in Christ, He's not inspecting you. He's inspecting the Lamb. Isn't that great news? And He was the perfect Lamb of God. He was innocent. He opened not His mouth. If there ever was a person who could open His mouth and defend Himself, It was the Lord Jesus Christ, but his mouth was shut. Why? He didn't need to say anything. He did it all. He was the perfection of expression, the perfection of everything. Jesus said, I can do nothing except what my Father is doing. 
When Jesus was there in the body, it was the Father manifest. Jesus said to his disciples, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And what did you see? You saw this man walking the streets of Jerusalem, Judea, and Galilee. And he was preaching freedom and liberty. He was preaching the good news. He was healing the sick, healing the disease. He was cleansing the leper. He was raising the dead. This is God. And he didn't have to open his mouth. I mean, Pilate has this man's life in his hands. And, and Jesus doesn't say a whole lot to Pilate. He says, I give my life willingly. This is your Savior. Look at verse 8. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? Cut off. There's this language of all the bad stuff going upon him. You know, you see a person and, and, and people say, I wish that person would just disappear. I wish their name would disappear from the earth. Jesus took that, you know. And who will declare his generation? Huh. I thought about Hebrews chapter 2 where it says, and I'm, I, I don't have this memorized, but basically the idea is that for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning the shame. That's Hebrews 12. But in Hebrews 2, it says, so that many sons could come in. Guess who his generation is? You. You are the blessed generation's children of God. Man. Amen. For the transgressions of my people, verse 8, toward the end, he was stricken. Our transgressions. My people. Man, that just, oh man, that touched me. Because I'm included in that. My people. Stricken. And verse 9, and they, or literally in the Hebrew, he made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, death. Because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. And I love the way that, that Isaiah 53 climbs out of this hole of human sickness and sin and, and depravity and disease and everything that he took and that he bore, every uh, pain of the mind and pain of the body and, and transgression against God, all of this stuff. Listen, listen to the triumphant King of Kings, as he rises beyond this. All of this that happened was not a mistake to Father God. God didn't go, uh-oh, those Pharisees and, and, and uh, Jewish leaders, they, I, I didn't, didn't think they wouldn't accept him. No, God knew it. The Roman soldiers, the, the, the weak, what's the word I want to say about Pilate? The wimp that Pilate was, that he didn't have the guts to say, this man is innocent, I'm not going to, in my court, condemn an innocent man. Oh, he washed his hands and said, go ahead, crucify him. And his soldiers crucified him. But you see, all that stuff happened because the Lord was pleased to crush him. He has put him to grief. Let's set this record right. This is God's plan. When you make his soul an offering of sin, he shall see his seed. What that means. 
when that soul was made an offering for sin, God sees his kids. No longer children of the devil, but beloved children of God. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Just a moment on this word, justify. You know, Martin Luther, the great reformer, said that the doctrine of justification is the doctrine by which the church rises and falls. If you don't get justification, you're missing everything. Justification means that I receive what Jesus has. Jesus' good standing with the Father is mine because He is just, as it says in Romans 3.26, and the justifier of those who have faith in Him. Being just before God, you know, think about yourself in your worst failure, and then you're thinking like this toward God. A lot of Christians live in this roller coaster kind of existence that God doesn't want you in. A lot of Christians think that God sort of does this, you know, he loves me, he loves me not, he loves me, he loves me not, he loves me, he loves me not. A lot of Christians think that God is in this big cosmic swivel chair. You know, I do wrong and he swivels the other way, he's not happy with me, and then he he swivels my way when I'm doing the right thing. So guess what? That's righteousness based on you. And that doesn't give God glory. God doesn't consider you righteous because you're so good, but because he is good, that good. Justification is the basis by which Jesus, the perfect man, son of man, perfect son of God, makes you have the same standing that he has before God the Father. You know, I've heard people say it's just as if you hadn't sinned. That doesn't begin to hit it. How do you think God the Father reacts when Jesus is around? Happy, right? A hundred thousand percent. This this is my son, my beloved son. That's how the Father reacts to the Son. Well, according to Romans chapter 3, I am considered the same way, and you are, believer, because Jesus who is just, has made me just. Do you see all that Jesus did, the labor of his soul, bearing all of this, my righteous servant will justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. The reason why I have a grace standing with God is because he bore my iniquities. All that is wrong with Mark Vanus, he took. He took it all. Therefore, verse 12, I will divide him a portion with the great. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors. And he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. All of that good that you receive from him because he took it all that was bad of you. All of that leads us into Isaiah 54, and I'm not going to preach the whole thing as much as I want to. But many versions, the first word of Isaiah 54 is what? What do you see? Remember I said, bring your Bible? Sing. 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 Or some versions say, rejoice. 
Isn't that incredible? You go from Isaiah 53, and this is all foretold seven centuries before Jesus was even born. And these events took place. And the result is sing, O barren, you who have not born. Break forth into singing and cry aloud. You who have not labored with child. A, a woman who's, who can't bear a child suddenly, and this isn't just the analogy of a barrenness in the womb, although there's an application. You know, it's Sarah and Hagar. And, and history tells us that Sarah was the blessed one. She received the miracle child. Sing! Sing! I can sing! I can rejoice! I remember that I was uh, ministering to a young man and God was really doing a lot in his life, but he said, you know, he had to lead worship. He said, I, I don't feel worthy to lead, lead worship. And I said, why? And he shared with me some things he was dealing with. And I said, let me see if I get this right. You're not worthy to lead worship, right? And he said, yep. I said, bingo, you're not. And disqualified. Out the door you go. Ah, but his qualification is not him. His qualification is Jesus. Amen. People say silly things like, oh, don't tell people, Mark, don't tell people that. That'll give them a license to sin. Well, A, they're already sinning without a license. And B, my Bible says this is the highway of holiness. This leads to the victorious life. This gets people off themselves and focused on their Savior, their Lord God, their Redeemer. And you think they're going to try to get away with sin? How weird can that be? No. A truly born-again child of God wants to enjoy God and pursue Him. He thought the basis of His worship was His goodness. No, the basis of His worship is the goodness of God. I want to end with one more thought here. Drop down to verse... Verse, uh, verse 7. Isaiah 54, verse 7. We're going to wrap it says this, this is God speaking, for a mere moment, and that Hebrew is just like a flash in time, for a mere moment I have forsaken you, but with great mercies I will gather you. Do you see that? With great mercies I will gather you. With a little wrath I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness I will have mercy on you says the lord your redeemer redeemer means one who makes a purchase with blood listen to verse 9 for this is like the waters of noah to me for as i have sworn that the waters of noah would no longer cover the earth look at me for a minute how many of you know that god swore an oath to noah you remember that genesis right God said, I'm going to put a rainbow in the sky. And why, what was he swearing he would not do? That he would never overwhelm the earth with a deluge like the flood ever again. And any good Bible-believing Christian says, yes, that's true. God is not a man. When he raises his hand and swears an oath, he means what he says. You know what? God doesn't need to swear an oath. His yes is yes, and his no is no. People say there's nothing impossible with God. Uh, wrong answer. It is impossible for God to lie. That's right. It is impossible for God to deny himself. 
The, and it says in Hebrews 6, the reason why he raises his hand and swears an oath and, and he makes a covenant isn't for his own benefit, but for me. Because I struggle, man. I struggle believing that, that you'd really do this. But see, God sweared an oath with Noah. He said he'd never flood the earth again. Now watch the connection. He says this, For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah would no longer cover the earth, so I have sworn. Say that with me. So I have sworn. You think God's going to break this, what he's going to say? That I would not be angry with you, nor rebuke you. Did you hear that? God swears an oath and says, I'm not going to be angry with you. I'm not going to rebuke you. Some of you need to understand, God is not mad at you. God is not mad at you. And that's not a cheap statement. Everything that we see in Isaiah 53 paid the way, paved the way, so that God could with all integrity hold up his right hand and say to you, I swear, I will not be angry with you. I will not, I will not, I will not be angry with you. I will not rebuke you. I will not. Do you know what would happen if God were to to break that? The whole universe would just collapse because it's built on the integrity of God. Of course, God would never do it. It's impossible for him to break that promise. Do you think God's serious when he says, I will not be angry with you. I will not rebuke you. Yes, he swears an oath. Look at verse 10. For the mountains shall depart and the hills shall be removed. One day it's all going to be gone. Peter says the elements will melt in a roar of fire. But my kindness... That's the Hebrew word chesed. And it's the closest Hebrew word to the word grace. My grace. God's strong love, strong faithfulness, and His personal strength for you. My kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of shalom, peace, be removed, says the Lord who has mercy on you. Do innocent people need mercy? No. Guilty people need mercy. People who've done wrong. Listen, God says, says the Lord who has mercy on you. Now we're going to celebrate a commemoration in, in, uh, in communion. Pastor Chet, come on up. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. It's funny how Christians have made, religious people have made communion to be, do this in remembrance of your sins. And they take 1 Corinthians 11 completely out of context. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. This message has given you powerful truth about everything he took. I don't care what you're dealing with, you're struggling with, do this in remembrance of me. I'm going to ask everyone just to be seated for a moment. I just want you to close your eyes. 
I believe in the power of the Word of God and the Spirit of God to paint a picture in your mind's eye. And the Bible tells me that the Word of God will not return void. It will accomplish that for which it was sent. And through the presentation of the Word today, you've received an eye, a clearer understanding of the body and the blood of Christ. Our Lord and Savior, on the night He was betrayed by a friend, by a close partner, by a disciple of His, He said, do this in remembrance of Me. The bread and the wine are pictures that have been seen through the history of the Bible. Long before the Lord Jesus instituted the Last Supper on the night he was betrayed. Back to the time of Moses, there was a remembrance of God passing over the children of Israel when the death angel visited the camp in the city in Egypt. He said, put the blood on the doorposts and my death angel will pass over. That's a picture of the Passover lamb because the blood of a perfect lamb was shed. And then at the time of the defeat of the kings, Genesis chapter 14, Abraham met, I believe, the Lord Jesus, known as the king, king and high priest, the priestly king Melchizedek, whose name, by the way, means king of righteousness. And he had bread and wine. And now here we are, thousands of years down the corridors of time, 2,000 years after the events of our Savior decidedly taking upon Him all that was wrong and the worst of us to give us God's best. I want you to hold this, this, this little bit of bread and I want you to think of His body that precious, precious Lamb of God. I want you to think of your sin and iniquity falling upon that precious body. Every curse, everything that's wrong, every pain of body and pain of mind and soul, that precious body took it 2,000 years ago. All of that benefit, all of that curse came for your benefit. And He offered Himself with a body, a body that felt, a body that hurt, a body that became an object of horror for you. He was rejected that you would be accepted. He was despised so that you would be beloved. Let's remember and let's take of the bread. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never hunger.
This is the bread and the body of healing, of wholeness, of infirmities gone, of curse gone. And on that night, Jesus took up the cup. He said, this cup is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. That's the new covenant of grace and blessing to you. No longer under a curse, but under blessing. This cup represents his blood that was shed for the remission of sins. That's what the Bible says. That's the removal of sins. Not just covering up, but removal. God says, as far as the east is from the west, so have I removed your sins for you. It's the blood and the cup of cleansing. It is the cup and blood of redemption. Redemption buys you back from the slave market of sin, from Satan's clutches, and makes you God's cherished possession, God's personal responsibility. That's redemption blood. And it is the blood of a new covenant that God cuts a blood covenant where God by His integrity says, my son was offered and became sin and became a curse that you would become righteous and blessed. That's the blood of the new covenant. It seals the new covenant. It ratifies the new covenant. We are in the day and the age of the new covenant of grace. God relating to you, not on the basis of your goodness, but God relating to you on the basis of His goodness. God loving you totally, blessing you totally, and accepting you totally, not because you're so good and earned it, but because He is that good and gives it. This is what this blood has done for you. Remission of sins, redemption, and the new covenant. Let's take together the cup. Let's pray. Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit, even as your disciples who were on the road to Emmaus and didn't recognize or see you. But when you broke the bread and shared the cup, they saw you. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I pray for a greater and deeper revelation of yourself, a greater remembrance of Jesus Christ and the love that is so great, so powerful, that it does not spare any cost at all, even the cost, Father, of your own dear Son. And Father, I pray that any kind of brokenness and sin and infirmity that the believer would understand, it's done, it's finished. By His stripes, I am healed. I am healed. He was injured that I would be healed. There's no more curse. There's blessing. There's no more despising, but beloved. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your great love. And I think about that great verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe on him would not perish, but have everlasting life. With every head bowed, every eye closed, this is a holy moment just between you and God. 
Do you know, dear friend, that this blessing that I've been talking about has already been paid for? And do you know that God offers it to you as a gift? It's a gift. What do you do with a gift? You take it and you say thank you. Everything that's gone wrong in your life, every, every problem, every issue, every sin, the Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But we are justified freely by His blood through the forgiveness. All you need to do is receive this gift. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And as simple as a little child, say, Lord, there's a lot that's wrong in my life. I I admit that I have sinned and I have failed You personally. And I'm sorry for that. But Father, I hear the Word. I hear that Jesus took all of that sin, all of that wrong, all of my failure, all the cursing that I deserve. And I thank You that He took it, Lord, that I could be accepted. And so I receive the gift of eternal life. I receive now the gift of Your Son to live inside of me and to make me a new creation. For the Bible says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Dear one, God is simply saying, take it. You don't deserve it. But Jesus paid for it for you because God loves you. Take it. Take it by faith. And thank Him for it. And Father, I pray that you will just do a great work in our midst. Continue to work your great salvation of being born again and your miracles of the new birth, resurrection from the dead, deliverance from sin and curse, Satan and all that there is. And Father, we just thank you. Amen and amen. You have been listening to the concluding part of a message I recently preached at my home church called, He Was Crushed That You Would Be Blessed. Now, Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8 sums it up so well. It says this, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, friend, this is the wonderful grace of God. You may feel unworthy and undeserving, Well, you know what? We all are unworthy and undeserving of such love, such goodness being shown toward us. And yet this speaks not of our own goodness, but of the goodness of God, the love that God has for us. I like to think of the grace of God like this. Grace is from the heart of the Father's love in totally blessing us, totally accepting us, and totally loving us, not because we're so good and earned it, but because He is that good 
and gives it. That's grace. Jesus paid it all. And you know what? God gets the glory and we get the blessing. Indeed, the Lord Jesus was crushed so that you and I would be blessed. You have been listening to the Daily in Christ podcast, a ministry dedicated to spreading the good news of God's grace worldwide. I'm Mark Van Oos, the teacher on these podcasts. Today's episode is number 70. You can listen to any and all 70 grace-based lessons by stopping by our website at dailyinchrist.org. The podcast is also available at Apple's iTunes store. And if you stop by the Daily in Christ podcast, we will give you information about how to listen to these podcasts on your mobile device, whether it's an Apple device, whether it's Android, or whether it's a Windows-based device. That's at dailyinchrist.org. Also at our website, you will find a comprehensive teaching series on the book of Hebrews, the book that I call the Magna Carta of the New Covenant, and so much more. There's also a number of helpful articles to encourage you in your Christian life. All of this is available as a ministry to you at no charge. Now, if you've been blessed by this ministry, take a moment and jot us a few lines of encouragement. Check out the Contact Us part of the website. Also, spread the word. Let others know that they can enjoy quality, biblically-based grace teaching at dailyinchrist.org. And join us next time for the Daily in Christ podcast. Podcast.